Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Joining me today is our illustrious hosts, Scott Bartell and Vince Travato. How are you doing? Hey, Craig. Hey, Scotty. Hey, Chad. <laughs> doing all right. Yep. So, all right, here we go. We've got about 21 games left in the Brewers season, and the Brewers are only two games out of a wild card spot, which is pretty awesome. Now, we're not going to talk about how many games back we are in the division, because that's not worth talking about, but we've got 21 games left, and I really feel that if the Brewers get hot here down the stretch, we can pull this off. Um, what With 21 games left, what what record, how many of those 21 games do you feel the Brewers would need to win in order to secure at, at least the final wild card going into the, you know, make the playoffs for the, what was it, the, would it be the fifth consecutive season or fourth? I forget now. It would be the uh, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, five, five seasons. Fifth consecutive. How many of those 21 games do you feel that we win? Uh, it's hard to say right now because it seems like everybody's playing pretty poorly to be honest uh i think i think maybe 15 would be a good number to shoot for uh so you're thinking 15 and 6 okay scott what are your thoughts uh i was gonna say 14 or 15 so yeah so yeah two out of three the rest of the way at least yeah yeah i mean we can't count on can't count on the padres and the phillies you know playing as badly as I guess all three teams have been playing over the last what three weeks. I so yeah, I I say that's a pretty good range. Yeah, so I mean I, I'm in the same range. I think 13 or 14 of the games. So we'd have to go, at, at, you know, probably 13, 8, 14, and seven, which would be a tough task. But I think the Brewers could do it, um, mostly because I, I 15 of the 21 games are at home, which is a pretty awesome stretch. Unfortunately, we've got. Four games against the Cardinals, three against the Yankees, and three against the Mets, which are all quality opponents. And we have four at Cincinnati at the Reds, which are a pesky opponent, and also four at home. Again, we're going to wrap up the season with the last seven games all at home. Four against the Marlins, three against the Diamondbacks. Uh, those also concern me. So, I mean, we really have to get hot here um, and hope that one of the teams are trying to catch go, you know, near 500. If they go like 10 and 10 or 10 and 11 or whatever themselves, I think we can catch them uh, and surpass them. But I, I mean, the fact that we're within breathing distance, I think, you know, we've got to ho- hopefully pull it all together here. I, I will say that Corbin Burns last start was really encouraging. And like the Cy Young caliber, Corbin Burns seemed to be back. Brandon Woodruff has also been pitching really well as also, unfortunately, Eric Lauer went on the IL and Freddie Peralta also went on the IL. And uh, our other starting pitching depth beyond that leaves much to be desired. In fact, we're taping this um, on was it Tuesday the 13th of September. And I know that the Brewers plan on starting Matt Bush tonight in a, to lead off a bullpen game um, against the Cardinals. So, I mean... If we can get lucky and take this one against the Cardinals, maybe we can get off on the right foot to try to get these 13 or 14 wins to finish up the season. But I think the biggest task is we're going to need someone else 
that's filling in the rotation, whether it be Adrian Hauser, or Jason Alexander, or someone else to really step up um, and give us some quality starts here down the stretch. I don't know who that can be. I, I guess I'm going to point to Adrian Hauser as a possibility given his track record and his, uh, his abilities, but uh, that's my main concern is still, I guess, who we're going to fill in for our injured guys. I will say that Fred, I'm not really expecting Freddie Peralta to necessarily make another meaningful start for us in the regular season. Could happen, but I'm not going to hold my breath due to his, the nature of his shoulder injury. Eric Lauer, I believe, should be coming back as soon as he's eligible to come off the IL, but we're still going to have to get by with him for about the next 10 days. So it's it's going to be tough sledding. I, I think that those games where our dominant pitchers aren't starting are going to be the key to whether or not we can pull this off. Yeah, I mean, you're a bit more optimistic than I am at this point, Craig, if I'm being honest. I, I you know, there's some things that, if happened, obviously the trade de deadline being one of them, it just seems like there's a lot going on inside that clubhouse right now. And I you know we, we uh, haven't really used our press pass as much this year, but it seems like there's something going on in that clubhouse. It just doesn't give me a ton of faith or confidence right now. Um, I hope I'm wrong. And it's not always about just on-field stuff. I mean, we've all seen Josh Hader's numbers in San Diego. He certainly struggled. I don't think that, um, you know, if he was with Milwaukee, maybe we, we probably would have had the same record since, uh, that trade was made, but it just seems like there's some sort of lack of confidence maybe in the front office. We saw um, some of the comments from Lorenzo Cain uh, since our last podcast. Um, I, we, we saw another story that just broke today from another one of our colleagues about uh, Corbin Burns um, coming out as being a bit unhappy because the Brewers never have talked to him about a contract extension. Uh, like the topic never even came up. So, I don't, I'm not going to say that this front office doesn't know what they're doing because as you mentioned, we have made the playoffs four times uh, in the last four seasons, but it just seems like there's some, there's some element of unhappiness that's floating around that team and, and inside the clubhouse right now. I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I think the way that you would want to spin it if you're the front office is the reason that we didn't go out and get more help for you guys is because we believe in you. Um, however, <laughs> however, <laughs> um, it's also very possible that the people that are on the team are like, Hey, well, I mean, like you could look at a guy, like, let's say like a, a rowdy to like, obviously, you know, we, we picked him up and he's done all right for us, you know, but, at the same time, it was an area where we could have potentially uh, maybe improved the first base position. And, but in order to do that, that means maybe, you know, you might have to trade Rowdy Telez in order to upgrade that position. And so, you know, on one hand, you're like, hey, we brought this guy in here. We think he's going to produce. And so we don't think that that's the position that we need to upgrade. So I think that part of that, along with, you know, the tough, like the, the really big asking prices that some of the teams were looking for for like quality bats obviously had some issues there, but at the same time, I don't know. I just think that's the way that players are going to look at it. You know, like they're just looking at it like, Hey, you didn't do enough for us, but yeah, it, it's what it is it, at it, this point. Get to work. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that they're totally right or that there should have necessarily been a specific on field addition that was made, but if nothing else, it shows that there's this lack of communication going on between the front office and the clubhouse. And I think that that's probably a very important factor in 2022. You know, it's, it's something that 
clearly it's had an effect. I mean, unless you looked at that team that was in first place by quite a few games in May and June and said, okay, they are not a playoff contending team. They're not that good. Then I, I don't know what else can explain why they haven't been the same team since the trade deadline. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to spend this entire show just rehashing that. Uh, we, we have talked about it quite a bit, but I, at the same time, I do think that it's kind of the elephant in the room that, you know, as we gear up for what we hope is a, a playoff run, I'm not sure that this team really has what it takes necessarily to to make that run. I hope that that doesn't come across as too pessimistic. It just it just seems like kind of a weird off year in the clubhouse, and I, I don't know how else to praise it. Well, I think you guys make some fair points. The thing that makes baseball unique from other store sports is just an example. You know, let's let's look at just basketball. I mean. The successful teams of basketball really need two to three really superstar quality players. And if you have that, the rest of the team chemistry and other stuff doesn't maybe matter as much. Um, Looking at football, I mean, if you don't have a good, I mean, if you have a good quarterback, you're going to be really successful. If you don't have a good quarterback, it doesn't matter how how great the rest of the team is. Without a good quarterback, your chance of success and being a playoff team is not as good. Baseball is more of unique where like you could have a superstar player. Let's look at the angels like Mark Trout and they have a show here at time probably two of the best players two of the top five players in the league. That's almost unanimous, but they can't sniff the playoffs because the rest of their front office does not know how to build the pieces um, to get them into the playoffs. I mean, it's a team sport more than anything. And there's a lot of factors going in um, when building a team and a roster. And I think our front office has been good at that. But using the Lorenzo Kane situation, I'll call it as an example, when you're weighing someone like Kane's value to the team, not only do you have to weigh his current statistical performance, but I think you have to weigh in his veteran leadership, his defense, and um, other factors. When And I, it, it, I, I just don't know. Go ahead, Vince. Well, I was just going to add to that his on-field intelligence, too. I mean, he's an incredibly smart player as a veteran. He's got lots of experience. He's a world champion. You know, all those different things that come into it. So I I wasn't trying to interrupt your point. I was kind of just adding to it. Yeah, but also just not just leadership, but just how his presence um, affects the overall team chemistry. And I think that I don't don't really know the – all the reasoning behind the Kane situation or, but, but when building a team, having those veterans, I think is very important um, in baseball more than other sports, even um, especially when we have a young team. Um, and I, the thing with the whole analytics um, front office GMs and whatnot, that have, you know, kind of overtaken baseball in the last 10 or so years and David Stearns and Matt Arnold definitely fit into that. And, you know, there's been some great, success ever since you know moneyball basically in that department however i don't i don't want to accuse the current front office of running the team more like a fantasy league team but it sure seems that they're making decisions that aren't based off of things that will affect the clubhouse because obviously if you're running a fantasy team you don't have to worry about the clubhouse you have to just worry about straight analytics stats whatever get you i think there's a lot more factor in and, and in order to get a real pulse on that, I think you really need to be well connected with 
your your manager and the clubhouse. And I'm not going to really necessarily, without knowing information, accuse this front office of doing that. But the, the some of the decisions that they've made this season and now, um, you know, I, I think show that that could be the case. I guess it's just pure speculation on my part. But I, I really just feel that going into this season, our front office hasn't been accused of making too many missteps. But it sure seems like they're coming at us from all directions this season, so to speak. Uh, well, that's and that's the rub all the time too, isn't it? I mean, the the analytics debate or revolution. I guess it, it's it's been interesting to watch unfold, and certainly it has a lot of value. And you can analyze guys and their tools a little bit differently, but you still are finding that they're. I think that there's qualities to guys you can't measure yet through, you know, analytical or statistical tools. So it doesn't paint a complete picture. It paints part of a picture. And I think that when you're a guy who is a, a heavy um, analysis, a, a, a sabermetrics based general manager, that can be a good thing, but you also have to realize that there is a bigger picture out there too, that you also have to look at equally. And, you know, I think that that's maybe what, what is being missed. And I think that the other factor with some of this stuff too and I, I think that this will be real interesting to watch unfold is, is that most teams then have now adjusted to sort of the money ball sabermetrics philosophy and have brought in generally guys like Stearns they're Ivy League guys who didn't necessarily play baseball or have a um, degree in something that uh, like a sports degree a sports management degree but they're guys who are now all thinking alike and I'm wondering if there's going to have to be some sort of counter antidote to that as though the next money ball is going to be guys who are not thinking like that. Um, finding a way to measure some of the other aspects that maybe aren't currently being measured, maybe will be the next, the next stage of a money ball, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, I, I guess I always just think of like, first of all, like, like you were saying, um, it's very difficult to, you know, try to, gauge morale and how how that's going to affect the clubhouse the other thing is i well when you mentioned lorenzo kane earlier i almost thought eh, yes i think it's it was difficult to let king go the way that it was the breakup happened the way it did disappointing but i i think as far as a clubhouse presence i think mccutcheon probably fills in that role just as easily but i don't know i guess it's just really difficult when you don't have any way to gauge that. And like, you almost look at analytics now and just say, okay, well, what's the best way to score? Get this launch angle and you'll hit a home run. Just do that. But when that doesn't work, you need to find another way. Like, I think the most important part of an offense is to be able to score in multiple different ways. And the Brewers typically don't really have ways to do that. So that's why I like a little bit of uh, speed and, and, you know, just contact hitters that can maybe scrape a run across against like a, an ace that you face in the playoffs who frankly doesn't give up home runs very often. So it's hard to say what's going on, but is part of this, I guess I should ask at this point, he's kind of been untouchable for a long time, but do you think that Craig council has lost a little bit of this clubhouse? I mean, obviously they're not, producing you know in Craig Timber the way that we hoped that they would and I I think everybody has to take a little bit of responsibility and I I think he's you know gonna have to take some responsibility as well there but yeah it's rough 
That's tough to say. I mean, I still have a high, high opinion of, of Craig Council. I think that he's still, you know, handling players and management of the team just fine. As far as just to answer the Craig Tember thing, I think one of the things that Council has done best in the September is that he's been the manager has been to utilize the depth that is uh, provided to him as a manager by the addition of the September expanded rosters. And that was uh, not available this year um, that, that's no with the new collective bargaining agreement the number of roster spots has not increased anywhere near as uh, like it used to so I think that that's where the, the depth that was built by the organization the front office Craig really used that to his advantage um, in all the years that he's been manager and fortunately he doesn't have those options this year um, so and, and you do see him tinkering a little bit with the lineup and one of those moves that he's made in the month of September that kind of surprised me is he basically um, has taken away every day at bats from Louis Urias and given most of those to Jace Peterson, who's returned from injury. Um, and again, Jace Peterson is like a, a veteran who's obviously his value is in his uh, quality at bats and his versatility. But when you have a young player like Louis Urias, who's still 25 years old and about to hit his prime, I'm not a huge fan of taking away September at bats from that player unless they're really tanking. And again, he's, he's having a worse season statistically than he has last year, but not by much. And I really feel that he would, he shouldn't be on a short side of platoon at their base base like he is right now as we finish up the season. And so that's one move I disagree with, but overall, I think council has, you know, does a good job and he's trying to win games just like any manager is. And I don't think that, you know, I, I think that he is liked by the players and they do like playing for him and, Obviously, there are some things that the team has done I disagree with, including the dugout bell and whatnot. And again, as a manager, I would not allow that. But, you know, and so there's there's a fine line, um, you know, and then there was someone you know, looking back at former brewer managers. I know Kim Maka was like the opposite of a brewer, of a player manager, I should say, and players not like him at all. He's learning old school. And so I think there's a happy medium between that. And I'm not saying Craig Hunter's necessarily a pushover by any means, but I think there needs to be a nice balance and most managers hit that. And, uh, but with that being said, I don't have too much to criticize as far as council's job and that he's done as a manager of the Milwaukee Brewers this year or going forward. And that my concerns are, are little there. Yeah. I would tend to agree with you on that, Craig. And I, I, I don't think that Craig is the problem with this. I think that Craig, if he's lost the, the clubhouse at all, I, first of all, I don't think he has, I, but I do think that if there's any, lack of respect inside the clubhouse. I don't think it's with the manager. I think it's more with the front office. Um, so, you know, he's pretty much, I think, following the same tactics that led him to the postseason for a number of years. And I suppose you could say that the front office has kind of changed some of their tactics perhaps a bit. Um, I don't think it's been Craig that has. So I, I, I think that he's safe. Um, I think the Brewers are pretty lucky to have him uh, as the manager. And I think that he'll probably be around still for, for a number of years, if I had to guess, but um, so, yeah, I, I, I would think so as well. Scott, are you hearing anything from uh, our anonymous source, Tom Carter, from your being in the clubhouse at all with our press passes? Um, no, just that morale was a little bit low, like obviously after the trade deadline, and you know, um, but I think Tom thought it was only going to last a couple of days, and that everybody was going to, you know, push on and realize that they have a goal in mind, but. It, I think it took a little longer and may have cost us a potential playoff spot. By the way, CBS says 
We have a 27% shot of making the playoffs right now. So um, maybe a little mm. higher than we thought even, but um, yeah, not kind of interesting. See how well, it goes. Maybe title this podcast a glimmer of hope because I think 27% is a little higher than a glimmer even. So, but, but with that being said, I think that, you know, it's going to take, a really strong finish. I mean, we can't go 500 ish for the last 21 games here this season, especially with so many home games. We really have to win almost every series if we want a shot at actually getting that, securing that spot. And then once we, get to, if we do get in the wild card spot, I mean, it's just like a brand new, fresh start. You know, all you have to do is win a three game series against a, a, an opponent and then go from there. And, and with our pitching in our bullpen, I, I really feel that anything could happen for us if we were to get into the postseason. And that, I think that's the thing that bothers all of us the most about us not um, being more, you know, trying not, I guess, having the front office not try as hard to get this particular 2022 Brewer team into the playoffs uh, by yeah. improving the roster. I think that was, that was a little bit of a shocker, obviously. But uh, but hopefully, yeah, we we we've seen what other teams can do that I think we're kind of like the Brewers in many ways, like the Braves last season or the Nationals in 2019. I think are are two examples of teams that were probably not the most talented teams um, in baseball, but yet went on to win world championships because they got hot at the right time. Yeah, but you got to be in it to win it. So let's we get the Brewers yeah. find a way to gut this out and hopefully. Uh, and obviously, regardless of what happens, we here at the Brooker will we'll be there to unpack the season for you as we head into October. Hopefully, we've got some postseason to uh, to provide for you. So, um, I just wanted to kind of point out real quick before we move on to more Brewer talk. Um, overall, you know, obviously the the new collection bargaining agreement between MLB and the Players Association this year led to the expansion of playoff teams from ten to twelve. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised that the, some of the races are not closer. Uh, most of the divisions already wrapped up. It's, it's like the NL East with the Braves, Mets, and of course the AL Central. I think the Cle- Cleveland's got a three game lead on the White Sox. Minnesota's kind of faded yeah. last week, but, um, there's not, and even the wild card spots, I think all the AL wild card spots are pretty much wrapped up. It's just the ordering that'll have to be determined, um, and so really the Brewers trying to catch the, the Padres or Phillies for that last wildcard spot might kind of be the, the last race uh, for a playoff spot that's available, which is kind of surprising to me with three weeks left in the regular season. Uh, are, are, are either of you kind of surprised by how that's played out this year? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I, I would have thought that there would have been more teams in contention, obviously just because of the expanded playoff format. Um it, it, this has been kind of a weird season, I think, in many ways. I, I, a lot of teams have been kind of playing under, I think, their their level of expectation going into the year. Uh, I'm thinking of teams like the White Sox and the Angels, for instance, even the Rangers to a degree. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, I mean, obviously it'd be nice if there were um, maybe a few more races and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, like you were saying, our our potential playoff run or push uh, could very well be over um, basically about a week from now because, um, yeah, Cardinals, Yankees, and Mets, that's 
that's running the gauntlet right there. So it's going to be tough. I mean, by the time we're going to have a much clearer picture on this by the time we tape next, that's for sure. Because this is going to be rough. Hopefully we're still in it. Hopefully we're able to weather that and then go on a big run at the end. Cause I mean, this is a, a team that could still, you know, very easily go, you know, eight and two their last 10 games and make a run that way. But uh, really got to fight through this next week. Yeah. And in some ways, even though that's a gauntlet, like you say, Scott, in some ways, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks last games of the season even scare me just as much as the two New York teams. For whatever reason, the Brewers just seem to play down to that type of competition. And I feel like we play really well against some of the good, the better teams. But um, with that being said, I unfortunately I noticed that Max Scherzer went on the IL, which I thought would be encouraging, but he's slated to come back like during one of the games of the Brewers series next week, early next week. So, of course, that sucks. But um, what can you do, I guess? Um, and yeah, we're going to have to possibly gut out a couple of bullpen games. Obviously, we mentioned the one that's coming up here against Cardinals, but I mean, I don't know how we're going to, this stretch of games uh, with our, our, unfortunately, the Friday Peralta injury really happened and the Lauer one in a really inopportune time. So there's not much you can do about that, but besides just go to the next man up. And I guess if his name is Jason Alexander, that's what his name is. I mean, there's not much you can do about it. So unfortunately, I guess just pointing out there were other guys that we really thought that were going to be helping in the depth of our rotation at this time of year. And that's Aaron Ashby who has is coming back from injury, but has been regulated to the bullpen for the remainder of the season. And then Ethan small, who has had a pretty bad year at triple a and in his short stint to the Brewers. So those two lefties, I think the Brewers really paid to have major contributions on the 2022 Brewers success. And they've both gone through major growing pains and struggles um, this season. And I think that's really what might be one of huge factors that might torpedo our playoff chances. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Those two players, I think not stepping up um, and going through struggles here in the, at their young age as left-handers, I think it has really been a detriment to this, this season for sure. Yeah. It's been yeah. Difficult. Go ahead, Scotty. No, I just uh, the only thing you can do at this point is, I mean, we have so many injuries, I guess, to the to the rotation that, um, yeah, I mean, the bullpen game is almost the only option at this point. Uh, the good news is, is that we we still have a lot of quality bullpen arms, and so I don't know, maybe a couple bullpen game wins could you know help bring this team uh, together and kind of bring that morale up. I mean, is there anything better than winning a bullpen game? That's kind of cool, like everybody hmm. kind of chips in. That's a good way to look at it, Scotty. You know, and obviously injuries have been a, a, a problem, but the Brewers still seem to have long-term faith in these guys. I mean, Ashby getting that, that contract extension, despite having the year that he's having, I think shows him at least that the Brewers have, front office has a ton of faith in him going forward. And um, it's probably a measure of, the, of, of your point too, Craig, where the Brewers are recognizing that they, they kind of need that left-hander uh, in the rotation. I, I do think that, I do think that Ashby has probably been one of the bigger disappointments for the team this year. I, I assume that the team expected that he would develop a little bit more, but I, I also think that without the injuries that first of all, some of that development would have happened and also the rotation itself would have been a little bit um, more fortified and a little bit better equipped to, to handle, you know, some growing pains from a guy like Ashby, but I, I'm still not overly worried about 
him at this point. Yeah, I agree with Vince. I think Ashby is going to be going to turn into a really quality pitcher as of starting next year and be a member of our starting rotation as a staple going forward. Um, Ethan Small, since he has not had success at the major league level, I think is more worrisome. And again, if in the offseason or whatever, at some point he regains some of his value and is uh, able to be a trade chip to improve other areas of our team, uh, mainly our offense, I would not be opposed to moving him. Um, especially with one of our trade acquisitions, Robert Gasser came over in the hater deal, has been pitching really well actually after being promoted to AAA, actually at AA and after being promoted to AAA. So I think he's only had one bad start in his entire time in the Brewers organization, has been pitching fairly well. I think that he's on the cusp of being major league ready by sometime next season. And I think with that being said, it kind of might make Ethan Small uh, possibly expendable. Um, but again, uh, you know, you can never have too many arms. So I don't think they're going to, you know, be shopping them, so to speak. But um, I think he needs to, you know, I don't know what the Brewers plans are for him. Maybe they'll send him to the Arizona Fall League or something to get some more innings in. I don't know. But yeah, Ethan Small, what we thought he was, you know, and this happens a lot with prospects. He's, he's not showing that at the major league level as of yet, and now he's struggling in AAA. So, again, he could come around. There is that old adage that left-handers develop a little bit more slowly. Uh, we've seen that before, but um, but he, he, his season so far this year has definitely given me some, some concerns about what his future holds at the major league level. So a couple other exciting things to talk about, you know, we're talking about future – you know, the future of the Brewers. Um, one of our minor league players who's really broke out this year is Jackson Trio, who is a 19-year-old outfielder who's been started the year at low A and has now been promoted all the way up to double A and has had a phenomenal season. He's been hitting, I think, around 320 with great on-base skills. And he's got uh, 20 homers, I think, this year and like 30 steals. And he's gone, his prospect status is, He's gone all the way from, I think, outside the top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball all the way to into the top five and most prospect lists. So the Brewers, it's exciting to know that they have like a top top 10, top five prospect in all of baseball going into the offseason. And, and he could definitely be a, a future star in a making middle order type hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, I mean, that's an exciting thing um, to look at going forward because that's something we didn't a year ago at this time did not realize that we had already in our organization. So so kudos to him. Um, and of course, during this offseason, we'll go over, we'll have some podcasts where we go over some other things, uh, including some of the rule changes that have now been MLB has implemented that'll begin in the 2023 season. I know that none of us are super enthused about any of those rules, but we'll we'll, we'll unpack that and uh, talk about that in one of our offseason podcasts coming up here. Um but yeah, overall, I guess I should also point out that since our last podcast, Garrett Mitchell has been called up and made his major league do, debut for the Brewers and gotten in about 29 at-bats. Fortunately, he struck out in 15 of those, and he's currently at a 138 with one home run and three steals. But with that small sample side aside, I think he has shown that he has skills that uh, will make him a, a major leaguer going forward. And Hopefully, you know, he, he'll get his opportunity as a Milwaukee Brewer. So um, going forward, uh, but yeah, obviously his center field defense is something that is really will carry him most likely. And uh, he, he's does got a lot, a lot of speed and ability to hit as he's coming out of UCLA and was a, a first round pick not that long ago. So again, there's still lots of promise with Garrett Mitchell, but um, 
And so uh, congratulations to him for making his major league debut here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and it was exciting too. I, I think that, um, you know, there was at least a little hype and a little buzz that that took place when he did uh, get called up at first. I think that, you know, the front office may have actually called him up a little bit early. Um, and, and we're kind of hoping that he would be the spark or the, <laughs> the bat that we needed. Uh, I never expected that from him or really expected him to, to, to carry this team or anything being a rookie and all, but um, you know, it was nice to see him at least get a couple of bats. I think that this is the type of guy though, that in other normal seasons under the previous CBA that we would have just seen as a September call up, uh, not as your quote unquote bat that you're bringing in uh, to save your offense in August. And again, I don't want to speculate on actual trades that were offered, but m- the scuttlebutt was that the Brewers had opportunities. The Brewers front office had opportunities to improve their current offense this season by possibly getting some rentals or whatnot. And they were reluctant to trade some of their near ready MLB talent that I'm guessing Garrett Mitchell was in that conversation. Um, so whether or not the Brewers made the right call by not trading him for in a package for someone, you know, like a Ramon Laureano of the A's, who's got a couple of years of team control left. Whether or not that was the right call, well, you know, only time will tell. But I mean, I, I think that the front office does know what they're doing, and, and and I think that they highly value Garrett Mitchell still and see him as an integral part of the future Milwaukee Brewers. So I, I mean, I can't fault them for that because you know he does have a very high ceiling. It could, but you know, he could emerge as a superstar at some point. And to have a player like that under team control is. Um, is something that, uh, you know, you, you don't want to give away too easily at a trade deadline. So, you know, you just never know. So um, before we wrap up this podcast, I was going to throw this out there. I know we still have not been able to go on our um, broker, our annual broker review um, road trip or destination uh, together. But anyway, um, just throwing this out there for either later this year or next year, if you could cross the next, Ballpark, MLB ballpark off your bucket list. Which one would you go for? Oof, I've only got four to go, guys. Um, I'm down to San Francisco, Oakland, Arizona, and Seattle, which I don't know if y'all have been to all of those, but um, I'm going to go with Oakland. I think it's kind of random. I, I, you know, it's, it's called the last dive bar in baseball. I know that the stadium is old and Everybody says that it's awful, but to me, there's something nostalgic, and I, I, I do hear it compared every once in a while to Milwaukee County Stadium. So I'm going to go with with Oakland, but I'm hopeful of actually knocking out all four next season. Um, we'll see if that's possible or not. But wait, you guys don't want to meet me in Cincinnati next weekend or next week? Yeah, next weekend for the uh, Brewers last road trip. Scott, I, I'm sure you're up for it. You can just drive there. No, I'm not up for it, but I still. Um, I'd be most excited about those Montgomery and ribs that all of the people that we've interviewed on previous podcasts have raved about. I did mail order <laughs> a couple of them during COVID and they were, they were the best ribs I've ever had, even oh. you know they were like just packed and frozen or whatever. And they're like, yeah, cook them up. But, okay. um, they were still amazing. I'll have to try those next week and take a picture for you. I'm sure it'll be the same. Awesome. No. Um, to answer your stadium question, though. (laughs) To answer your stadium question, Oakland, I I would like on my list. And I have a couple that are fairly close by that I really need to knock out. Arizona is definitely one of them. And um, 
I still want to go to Colorado, but those are all on my list. But I, I have a lot more than four stadiums to go. Yeah, mine's more like a, a, a dozen plus as well, Scott. Um, but obviously, the one that's still at the top of my bucket list is Fenway in Boston, but I, I don't think we'll be going there. But I'd really like to, I really want to check out the Minute Maid down in, uh, Scott, or in uh, Vince's neck of the woods, obviously. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, Oakland and Oakland, I wouldn't mind it. It's definitely one I was. So, yeah, I think that since that's all near the top of our list, maybe that should be one of our next destinations. But if, I mean, Scott's still living on the West Coast technically. So, I mean, we should really knock out Arizona. At some point yeah that'd be fine too i know that uh i know that the brewers play out there in april of next season um i'd be up for that or we could go to yeah i feel like we should if it's going to be our road trip see the brewers on the road um so yeah i, I would definitely be up for planning that for next april um i don't know how scott you're going to do that but yeah i would love to do that with you guys yeah the 2023 schedule is out so not that we're playing out this schedule but um, yeah, looking forward to next year's schedule. It's got some awesome opportunities on there. And like, like, uh, we mentioned before, the Brewers are going to play every team in baseball. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Craig, one of the epic ideas that we could look into, um, you know, if you want to ditch your kids for a while, though, um, quitting is, our job, buying an RV, yeah, quit your job, get it. Yeah. And then do all that. But the Brewers play in Phoenix one week and then play in Seattle the week after. So uh, I think there's a San Diego trip in between those two. So I, I'm just saying, you know, that's cool. Those, those and... Arizona and Seattle are, 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 I mean, Phoenix and Seattle are a little bit further away than that, what you might be envisioning, but they are both on the West coast. Yeah. Coast oh, I'm well aware. It's just, it's just, you know, I know Scott likes to drive now and we could have him be the driver <laughs> and just say we can knock that out. That's right. Yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah, now that I'm a professional driver, I hate driving yeah. even more. But <laughs> <laughs> I think when I deliver DoorDash, I should just make a T-shirt that just says "Professional Driver Do Not Attempt." Dad, if you if you drove all the way from Phoenix to Seattle, though, if you just left your dashing app on, maybe you could actually just be dashing along the way. Yeah, like random just make dashing. Money. That is a feature. Yeah. Yeah, maybe just dash in Utah a little bit, dash in Oregon, you know, like just it'll be fine. Maybe you I'm I'm hardly I'm hardly even comfortable dashing within like like beyond fifteen miles of my house. So it's possible that I would not really care for it. But yeah, you never know. I actually would have pegged you as more of a five mile type of guy, not five miles from home. Well, I got to go five miles just to get to my hot spot. And then after that, I have like a 10 mile radius. But even that, yeah, it's probably closer to 10 miles, 10, <laughs> 15. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever our next Brook Review destination get together is, um, I know that after the bar time and then we're back at the hotel or whatnot, uh, we could just hire Scott to go get our food for us. So that'll be great. Yeah. Ask him to. So he's got all this experience. That'll be perfect. We'll, we'll tip you well, Scotty. We will tip you well. I would probably just order DoorDash myself and try to give back to the community that's provided so much for me. <laughs> do, you, do you get an employee credit at DoorDash? Scott, I'm sure no, viewers a, in West Dallas are wondering. No, but sometimes if you if you go out and deliver for them at a certain time, they'll be like, hey, you know what? Take uh, 
take 30% off uh, your next food order through DoorDash, but you got to pick it up yourself or something like that. And so I get, yeah, but I get those same notifications, Scott. I don't, I don't dash. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was one of those like advertisement things where they go, Oh, today everybody gets the employee discount. And you're like, Oh, well, the employees are yeah. like, Well, thanks a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the insurance, at least the insurance is good. All right, so uh, hopefully you bring some brewer wins back from Cincinnati events. I'm hoping to make it out to MFAM Field once or twice, or hopefully a bunch more times once we get into the playoffs uh, this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, so overall, Scott, hopefully – I know you've made it to a handful of brewer games this season too, so hopefully uh, you have the opportunity to at least hit up one more. Um, but, yeah, definitely looking forward to the home stretch here. There's nothing like um, a playoff – stretch run and the Brewers need to win every game. So hopefully they do that. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. hundred uh, percent. Well, we'll hopefully be wrong about a lot of these dour predictions. Uh, and, and uh, I know Craig, you're a bit more optimistic than we are, but I'm, I'm very, very much hoping to be proven wrong on some of these things. And that, um, you know, I guess every team on a more positive side, just to wrap this up, I'll just say that every team does go through bad stretches in 162 games. So maybe the Brewers bad stretch, happen to be August when everybody's watching after the trade deadline, but uh, maybe they can tie it up and play really well as three weeks here, two and a half weeks, whatever it is. It's kind of like I, I told our old boss Chad at the ticket office when, you know, things were looking a little grim back when we uh, got rid of Ned Yost and hired or promoted Swaim, I guess, you know, you, we've been, we've been Brewer fans all season we've lived and died with the team but things aren't looking great right now but you know what there's only a couple weeks left in the season like let's ride it out you know i mean we've rooted for them all year what's another week or two you know let's do it that's a good, what that's, could happen that's a good point scott i i have to admit i did take like a, a little bit of a, a cleanse after the deadline basically and didn't watch for maybe a week um just i, I want to be fully upfront about that I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of listeners even here, and it doesn't mean that they're not fans and I don't question their fandom or anything like that. It's just, it's difficult because, you know, yeah. a lot of times fans care just as much, if not more than, you know, than the well, players that, and, you know, than the front office and, you know, it's hard. That's the thing. It's not, it's not about not loving the team. It's about, you know, it, it's like you got to step back sometimes because you love the team. And that's, I, I think I, I kind of had to do that, to be honest, for a week or 10 days even. I, I it's just like a loving marriage. Sometimes you need to take a vacation. Without- <laughs> so, so a good dog dad to do too, Scott. We'll see you in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. But with that being said, it's time to light this candle, Milwaukee Brewers. No more ringing the bell. Let's go, guys. Candle. Let's, and let's go, guys. Sneak, let's sneak in the playoffs and have, have a good run. So, all right. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) That's where we're going to title this episode. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're saying there's a chance. Go Brewers. Stay classy, West Dallas, and go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Do-do-do-do.